Welcome back to the Pet Cash Pod presented by Profluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Petcash. We had an awesome conversation today with the CEO of Tactica Paddle and also a team in professional paddle league, the San Diego Stingrays, Ryan Redondo. He uh, was formerly a, a all-American tennis player himself, and then he coached tennis at University of Pacific, all into a uh, youth tennis world, and now into the exploding sport across the world, paddle or sometimes referred to as Padel. We break it all down from the market to the opportunities to what they're doing at Tactica and the PPL with the San Diego Stingrays. And uh, there's so much to learn here. I'm super interested in this sport and its growth. So many great learnings here and uh, also opportunities. Uh, so it's good you're here. You know, we, we do these for a reason to give you the inside scoop. So nonetheless, let's dive right in. Ryan, pleasure to have you on today. Excited to dive into paddle, as we're going to call it, but padel for for others. And uh, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited to break it all down and what you guys are doing in the space and where it's going. It's uh, a sport that's certainly interesting to me and uh, have you know some involvement in myself at a, a much smaller level than you as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Honored to be on and, and look forward to uh, discussing about what we're doing and just this amazing sport. So I guess let's start here because this is the question. It's only a few years old for most people, but you know, how did you get into paddle and uh, what was your story leading up to it that, you know, you saw this opportunity you're like, yep, this is it. I'm doing it. Jumping in. Yeah. So I'm the, uh, I have many, I wear many hats <laughs> in the, in the racket sport world. Um, one of them is I'm the CEO of Youth Tennis San Diego and it's a nonprofit organization in San Diego that's uh, been around since the fifties. So a very, a successful nonprofit that brings tennis to the unders underserved, but we also own and operate the Barnes Tennis Center, which um, is one of the the gems of racket sports in in the country and if not the world now. So I was hired May first, twenty twenty, right in the middle of COVID, and um, we were shut down and and we had twenty five tennis courts, a lot of space, sixteen acre campus, and one of the coaches that um, was already there, uh, a gentleman named Ascon came to me and he said, Hey, Ryan, you know, we've, we're, my friends and I, we've always wanted to bring paddle to the Barnes Tennis Center. And we have some space out here in north of the campus that uh, we'd love to, sh uh, you know, maybe bring courts. And I said, what is that? You know, and there's, mm -hmm. that's, that's where uh, the story starts because he quickly started to talk to me about it, showed me a video. I play, I come from the tennis world. I played, okay. I loved playing doubles. When I saw it, I was like, I got to try that. So that was the start of it. And uh, we eventually started with a joint venture with Tactica Padel, Paddle, um, with a group of uh, investors and individuals that just were passionate about growing the sport. Started with three courts at the Barnes Tennis Center, and now we have seven and multiple sites across California. And just explain the sport a little bit more in detail of, you know, what is it? What's What kind of court do you play on? What kind of ball, racket, yeah. all that? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, uh, 33 by 66 feet. So smaller than a tennis court, bigger than a pickleball court. But you use a carbon foam paddle and you use essentially a tennis ball it has a little less pressure. And so, uh, you play on a turf surface. So really good for the body, really good for the knees, soft on your joints. Uh, and the court is surrounded by glass. So it's a combination of tennis and squash or some say racquetball as well. So, uh, same skill sets as tennis, uh, same grips, same feel and volleys, chips, lobs, touch, overheads, 
but then you bring in the squash component where you're able to use the back wall, the side wall to defend and create angles. They say tennis is like checkers, paddle is like chess. Mm. Um, That's a good reference. Yeah, I played the game as well. Um, so there's a lot of differences, um, a lot of similarities as tennis as well. And um, just a, you know, a wonderful sport. Love it. Yeah. And what are you guys doing on the uh, Tactica front? Uh, what What's that business? Uh, and I know there's a bunch of different verticals. Feel free to sort of explore in uh, however much detail you want each of them. Yeah. So again, you know, going back to the, the, you know, 2020 of just being introduced to it in this group, chairman of our, our board, Gabriel Perez Creep a court at his house, a private court. And when COVID, you know, came out, he, the court got shut down for various reasons. And so they just wanted courts to play on. They already had about 200 people in San Diego playing. We're very close to the border of uh, Mexico. So Mexico is huge with paddle. So there was already this community going, which was really a good head start for us because right when we put those courts in as the CEO, I couldn't get a court. They were packed. The investors couldn't get a court. Yeah. So we're kind of, they, they kind of caught on like, oh, this is a, uh, there might be an opportunity here. It's growing everywhere else in the world for years and years. And um, so we did the extension of courts at the Barnes Tennis Center. Uh, they offered me a position in the company to help expand. So I'm the CEO of Tactica Fidel and um, also the San Diego Stingrays, which is a franchise in the PPL. Our goal with Tactica though, is to grow the game for the public and expand and ultimately within the next two years um, install 200 paddle courts across California. So that's the vision. We believe that um, it's a very harmonious sport with other racket sports. Anybody can play it. And so we want to grow the game. Uh, we have a site with the LA Galaxy, the Major League Soccer team in Carson. We just, uh, and we're about a week away from opening up the first university, Division One university at the University of the Pacific. And we just announced uh, last week a partnership with Lifetime Activities to bring paddle to six tennis clubs across the Bay Area, which is uh, has about eight and a half million people in their surroundings. So that's that's the start of what we're doing and and um, believe heavily in the sport. Yeah, expanding the game uh, in a big way. Now, what is the current infrastructure of the sport? Because obviously it's still very early innings in the U.S., but in some other regions, it's been a popular sport for several years. And in, in some, and I'm sure you're going to this, it's like the second most popular sport behind like soccer, football, whatever you call it. Or So what's that landscape look like? Yeah. So it's, you know, what we see in Europe, there's just, there's thousands and thousands of courts. And so the access, it's the accessibility to the sport, which across the world has grown the sport. I think they say, you know, around 35 million people kind of regularly playing or something like that. Mexico, South America, Scandinavia, you even see Australia now is really starting to push for paddle. They played it at the Australian Open, right? Roland Garros mm -hmm. has been doing that. So Asia is blowing up. So it's the accessibility of courts. So the landscape right now for the US market is groups like us and investment groups coming in and partnerships with other racket sport or racket clubs, tennis clubs to start to introduce the sport so people can can play. That's where I think you know, the biggest growth is going to be with companies like us coming in. We work with Paddle Galice, which was, uh, you know, the official core for a world paddle tour. And so we're, you know, we have a good partnership with them to start to install those kind of courts and high level courts and just bring the sport, bring tournaments to the West Coast. Uh, we host a ton of USPA tournaments. And then, as I said, the other thing is getting eyeballs on the sport. The great mm -hmm. thing, in my opinion, about paddle 
which is similar to tennis, it's a spectator sport and a participant participant sport. You don't have to play it, but you can be amazed by the beauty of the sport and how thrilling it is to watch these men and women run out of the court and have, you know, 40 ball rallies every single point, you know? And so as a, as a part owner of the San Diego Stingrays, um, the Pro Padel League, the, the, the opportunity is to have the American, North American market, watch it, watch it on TV. And, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of exciting announcements behind that too. Very cool. And what's the, uh, the league structure look like? Obviously Pro Paddle League, PPL, like you talked about, I believe in Cutter. Cutter just purchased like the World Paddle Tour or something. You know what? What sort of the global structure? Because it is still a very new sport in terms of that uh, institute. You know, institution type phase of it. Right? It's still in the early innings of that. What, what are all the different entities at play? Yeah, yeah. So you got the World Paddle Tour, which then combined with Premier. Right? Mm -hmm. You have A one, A1 circuit that just played in New York. You know, in partnership with the Yankees, which is huge. Um, so you do have these tours and similar to tennis and, and, you know, even like pickleball has, has their individual tours, but PPA is really, or PPL is really, um, exciting because, uh, it's a team sport and it's mixed gender. So you have two men, you have the men playing the men, women playing women. And then if you tie, we actually play a mixed doubles match for the final. So it's really combining an individual support. Well, paddle is always played as doubles really, but we're bringing the team aspect to North America, which is going to make it really exciting. We had a great 2023 initial inaugural year. Daddy Yankee just bought a team for Orlando, New York, just added to the franchise uh, franchisees. So um, it's going to blow up. 2024 um, is going to be amazing. San Diego Stingrays alone, we've announced that we've signed four World Paddle Tour players, former awesome. number one, two in the world. So we're what we're doing is we're bringing the talent, global talent, to American soil to show the highest class level of, of uh, paddle, which is awesome. And any learnings from pickleball or, or tennis and sort of their ascension? Obviously, tennis has been a long time and, and it is where it is today, but pickleball relatively blew up in a few years on both the pro side and the grassroots or just participation. Is yeah. that sort of a good blueprint or is it going to be different? Or, and, you know, what are some of those differences or challenges in making sure? paddle can follow a similar you know, recipe to success because it, they're, you know, I, I think they're on similar, sort of similar trajectories. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, paddle globally is massive, right? Way bigger than pickleball. But what we, I think what we can learn is the, how they can all fit together, right? I think they all have a place, in my opinion. There's a lot of competition and negativity around different sports and racket sports because of tennis and stuff. I don't believe that, you know, I mean, at, at what we run at the Barnes Tennis Center, we have paddle, we have 19 pickleball courts and 25 tennis courts. They all work together and you start to see people play all of them or bounce from court to court. That's a beautiful thing. And so I think we can take, you know, and take the positivities. What I would say with pickleball is a very social sport, similar to paddle. And I think tennis can learn a lot from those two sports, right? And, Sorry. you know, the, the inroads that pickleball has made in the U.S. market with sponsorships and celebrities and stuff, I think Paddle can, can learn from that. We're already starting to do that as, as we've proven. But then again, for Paddle alone, we just have to create more courts, right? So as we get it on, say, a tennis channel or it was on CBS Sports, that's great. But then when, you know, my neighbor 
sees it on 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 tennis channel how are they going to go and play right so we have to it's our responsibility now to figure out how to get more courts in into the country yeah and what does that look like i mean you said you have a plan to get 200 more across california it seems like it's probably a little more difficult than pickleball is in yeah. terms of you can just sort of re renovate a, an old tennis court or you know or seeing them in parks and stuff what kind of goes into the paddle court facility building and i know you said like and we're seeing facilities pop up that kind of have all three but you know what does that look like yeah yeah it's a lot more difficult right because um say you want to go into a uh, park or something like that and, and local governments just don't know what it is yet so you've got to go through the processes and and like you said well a group can come in and just take over a tennis club and repaint the lines, you know, for pickleball or basketball court or whatever that is. That's been the the positivity and the success yeah. of pickleball. Is it, it's so accessible and and cheap and easy. Padel is a process. You have these these courts, right? glass walls, structures. However, they're very easy to put in, and it's just getting it's just the awareness of the court and the installation. There's not much to it. Paddle Galice now, what we have is we have, you actually have temporary courts that you don't even have to screw into concrete. They're just like big Lego sets, right? They come in a container and you just put them together and they can sit right on a, a level surface. Um, you do have the light component, so you're going to have to put in, you know, electrical and wiring, but it's really not that big of a process, but it's just getting, you know, the cities, parks and rec to understand what it is. And, and I think you'll start to see the growth. The real estate play. Yeah. And can it be are there indoor courts too, or is it all outdoor? Or what's uh, that look like? Yeah, them both indoor and outdoor, um, just like any other racket sport. Um, uh, we're here in San Diego, and and uh, I just saw some public announcement on in Instagram about an indoor paddle club, an indoor paddle and pickleball. But you know, the great thing about California is the, is the weather, and so it's a fun sport to play, and, and it's beautiful. But just like any other any other racket sport, you have you have uh, indoor and outdoor. Okay, so yeah, you can even though there's the walls and stuff, you can you can mix it into yeah. indoors. I'm sure there's some malls or something now converting. That seems to be oh, yeah. the uh, the new thing, like to put all these whether it's pickleball, tennis, even, and, and I'm sure paddle courts into old malls. I guess they need to be used for something. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's interesting. In, in terms, there's a lot of people that listen to this that are you looking for ideas or looking for business opportunities or trying to spot the next thing, being involved in paddle in different ways, are there any avenues or gaps in the market you see or certain products that could be built or data or anything interesting that maybe you or people in your network aren't really pursuing, but you see as opportunities in the space or even whether there is opportunity for more people to come in, even if there already is sort of, you know, some players in it? Yeah. I mean, without maybe giving all the secrets away <laughs> of how we're doing things, um, there's always, you, you can be better at anything, right? I mean, you never stop learning. We never stop learning. And we're constantly trying to, to find that niche and edge, right? As, uh, as we want competition, we want other clubs. We need other clubs to start to, to pick up. So in San Diego alone, you know, we have the uh, Tactica San Diego, but there's that indoor club coming up. There's two courts in the Oceanside. That's good because more players are going to play. So how do we use media? How do we use marketing really better in this market to grow the game. So I would say that's that's an avenue that we're all trying to learn. As kind of the pioneers here on the West Coast, we're probably the ones taking the pain because uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're we're learning the lessons that people will will take from us, which is fine. Right. But, you know, media marketing uh, awareness is the biggest thing. So how how are we going to 
how are we going to infiltrate you know, the the news in Los Angeles, right, to grow the game and to get people aware? And then from there, that's you know, that's technology. And then how do we grow the game when people start to learn and grow a, thri- a thriving ecosystem of coaches in California and across the United States? So there's so much for us to tackle and, and learn. Um, but number one is awareness. Yeah, that makes sense. I know just stories out of pickleball is in, in terms of everything was going on and they were sending everything to the journalists and all the people and nothing was ever getting covered. And then all of a sudden now it's the complete opposite where they're not even sending anything, but it's being covered widespread. And and so, yeah, I agree. That is probably the most important thing. And in terms of, I want to go back a little bit in terms of the college program you guys are doing at uh, university of Pacific, you know, is this sort of the evolution or the start of a college league or, you know, how does this, move all downstream because you're sort of building the infrastructure for casual play professional but how and what are you guys doing to sort of get it into colleges and then maybe there's that you know through the NCA or whatever and then downstream into eventually there's high school paddle just like there's tennis and I'm sure pickleball soon as well yeah yeah and I think pickleball might be a little ahead of paddle obviously but there's tons of rec clubs or pickleball clubs and teams out of universities and they're playing their own collegiate tournaments across the country that I've seen in my own research. Getting that in, in, into the high schools is going to be another one, just like tennis has done. Uh, I'm sure there's tons of momentum behind the scenes that we don't know of and enough advocates and champions of pickleball looking to do that. That's our dream for paddle. And if we can be a part of that in pickleball too, we will, because we're putting in eight courts at UOP as well. So, you know, I was a college coach for 13, 14 years. So I know that system. And that is the dream for us is to bring paddle to the college system, but we need other schools, right? So, right. you know, hopefully there's uh, some <laughs> ADs or presidents of the universities or coaches listening to your podcasts um, that know, hey, we're looking for partners. And what we do is we come in and, and we create the infrastructure and the capital and we then create that partnership. The great thing about it too is we're not taking away from tennis. We're actually adding to it so that the success that paddle and pickleball will have financially will go in to help grow the tennis program, particularly in this in this partnership. But what Paddle can do to the university model in the United States is, is bring in more international students as well. Recruiting can, can help, mm-hmm. right? Because you have tons of players all over the world that might not know how great the American education system is or the specialties. And now if you have Paddle next to it, why not go? Because that's something a part of their social life or, you know, just staying as a, a healthy individual. So we've create so many different ways in which to touch the world for universities or for the University of the Pacific. And we really would love to see that grow and and create that league structure and that system. Get it then into the high school system. Here at, at, in San Diego, we have dozens of junior players now, high level junior players that can play the game of paddle. We need to create that infrastructure and and system for them. Yeah, it will will get there. That's for sure. I'm sure you want it all to happen uh, right away. I want to go back because it just got me thinking while you're talking about the youth uh, in the high school. And what what's the history of paddle padel? Like, how did this game even get started? And like, how old is it? Is it is it relatively new? What's what's the origin story? Yeah, so um, you know, I'm gonna butcher it probably, but I'm just gonna you know go off of what I know. Started in Mexico in Acapulco, 1969, and and in the inaugural match of the PPL in Florida back in in May. May and June, one of the original promoters of the sport was there, you know, older gentleman, sweetest guy. 
and he was telling some stories about it. But that's where it started. You know, it was tennis players that didn't have enough space in their backyard. And he, you know, he said to his contractor, I build a wall so the balls stop flying and then the wall component, so forth. I'm going to stop from there. But from what I know from there, it just started to grow in Mexico. And then in South America, it started to take off. Argentina is just massive. And then to Europe. And, you know, I know the evolution of even the racket probably changed or the paddle, whatever you want to call it. They used to play on concrete. Now it's turf. Some of them have concrete walls still, but the modern era is turf with glass. The cool thing that I found is because I thought when I was watching like the World Paddle Tour players, oh, they all must have been great tennis players. A lot of them didn't even touch a tennis racket. Oh, wow. So they just grew up because the sport is old enough now that you have generations of, of the top players in the world that just played paddle. So they know it like the back of their mind. They know every angle Whereas like, I was a division one All-American, two-time All-American, so I can play because I have the technique and the skill sets, but I'm nowhere near like just an average pro, right? Mm. Um, you see all these ATP players, ATP tour players, and they're not anywhere near that level. It's really cool to see, and, and that's kind of the growth of the sport and, and where we are now. We need, to do, we need to start getting, and that's what we're doing in San Diego, we have four or five-year-olds that don't play tennis and they're playing paddle. You know, and, and I'm an advocate of tennis. I, that, that's that's my, my, my passion, but I want to see that with paddle too. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, not only the history, but just the, the skill set difference. Because if you see a lot of tennis players jumping to pickleball, but it's sort of, there's almost a, there's a good moat there where you can't just do that as easily for, for paddle, which is probably a good thing overall. And uh, yeah, we'll see. But Anyway, Ryan, question I ask everyone, and I'm curious from your world, you know, any trends in sports just in general, obviously it's going to have an impact on what you guys are doing that you find interesting or, or you're keeping a close eye on or paying attention to? In the racket world, I would say that the socialism part to paddle and how that's going to start to affect and, and pickleball, how that's going to start to change tennis in a positive way. So that's a trend that we really need to keep our eye on. The trend of you to have these existing tennis clubs becoming racket clubs and making that the new norm to to provide an opportunity for everybody, right? Because tennis is difficult. And so I think the trends are you know, just how social can we make these sports to grow it? Our tournament director, Paula Diaz at, at the Barnes Tennis Center, she was talking to me in a review I had with her about creating more social opportunities for the parents of the kids in our like under 10 classes, right? Because you go to Little League games and the parents are all hanging out. You know, they sit on the bleachers, they talk. Who knows if they're even watching the game? Some are, but they're, it's social, right? And so how could we do that in the racket sport? So that's one, the NIL deals, right? In the college system, are, it's a big thing now. I used to be a college coach, so I, I left the college um, system before those deals started to happen. So I'm looking at that, and, and that is a major change to the ecosystem of racket sports that are going to create more awareness possibly. So we got to look at that and there's so many different ways and trends that are happening that are going to, I think, benefit the game. Very cool. Yeah. And, and as we close out here, anything else you want to touch on for Tactica, yourself, Pro Paddle League, the Stingrays? Yeah, I do. But I want to go back to your question really quick before we, we end and I'll give a, a last kind of update. But what are, what's the most common answer that you find with your guests, you know, in the, the latest mm. trends in sport? Oh man, hundreds of them, but, and usually it is, there's like a niche component, wherever, whatever the niche is of where they're operating. So you in racket sports, you're going to highlight a racket sport or a few trends. 
So like if I'm talking to someone in sports betting, they're probably going to highlight a few sports betting trends. But I'd say overall, it's NIL comes up a lot and how that's impacting everything at younger ages. The proliferation of just like media right now, like everyone needs content, right? It's why Paddle in one year, a first year of a league can get a CBS deal, right? So there's this need for content. RSNs though, sort of going away, streaming, big service providers coming in. The, I mean, there's there's so many, there's so many different things. What route do I want to go here without, without going down too many yeah, rabbit holes? The, yeah, the, the M&A, just there's a lot of money at the higher ends of sports. There's a lot of, you know, Saudi Arabia and Qatar and, and these countries spending money. I mean, they could totally changed up golf. They could totally change up tennis, possibly. They could change up pickleball, Padel, who knows, depending on yeah. where they want to go. Athletes becoming more involved in investing and in, in, in valuing ownership over endorsement is super interesting. Yeah, I could I could go on for cool. for a long time, but I would say those are probably the most common high level answers. And then a lot of them are the rest are more niche. So, so yeah, it is, it is an interesting question. And I think it's probably the most important one we ask to everyone just to see, cause that's where it's headed and the people building in these spaces like yourself, that's what you find interesting. So it's important to keep an eye on them. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Well, thanks, you know, thanks for having me. I guess the, you know, one of the, the things that's coming up on our end at the, the home of Tatika San Diego at the Barnes Tennis Center, we're hosting the PPL All-Star Games, November 18th. So if you're anywhere near the West Coast in California, um, probably the first time ever to have professional paddle in California. So it's a really great opportunity for for people to see it in person, not just YouTube and, and whatnot. So uh, November 18th, some of the best players in the world are going to come to San Diego. So we'd love to see people come and buy tickets. You can go on the Pro Paddle League website and get the tickets. And um, yeah, just you know, speaking globally, to uh, to the market that you know, contact me, Tactica Paddle, if you want to partner and find ways to grow this sport here in California. Amazing, yeah, no, Ryan, appreciate you coming on. Great insights, both on the business front and then also just at the high level of Padel and the game in general. I, th- I think a lot of great insights, obviously, for myself, which is why I do these to begin with. But then everyone else that uh, wants to piggyback and, and learn as well. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.